Music Publishing Podcast, Episode 12. This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis Tobensky, and this week I'm joined by Thomas DeNoville of I Care If You Listen. Hi. Hello. How's it, how's it going? Pretty well, thank you. It's a, it's a rainy Saturday morning here in Ithaca, and we've been uh, wanting rain for so long now, so I'm, I'm actually quite happy to... Uh, to having to be having like a, a rainy weekend it's good nice well you, you could have had some of the the rain that we've had lately it's been <laughs> a lot in in new york <laughs> so uh so uh, tell us a bit about about you and all the things you do um at, to so that you know anyone who doesn't know you uh they, they should know you and oh thank you well my name is thomas de Neville. i was born in france which explains the accent <laughs> Um, I've been in the U.S. for about 10 years now. I came to study. Um, I have a background in engineering, mostly mechanical engineering. Um, but I came to the U.S. to study voice at the time. I had studied voice in France and in Italy. And I decided to move to the U.S. to get a degree. Um, then I just realized that voice was not for me. So I mm-hmm. stopped <laughs> and um, went back to composition and had been writing music for a long time. And so I went back to composition and got a combined BAMA in composition at Hunter College. So um, so that's kind of my, my background. And um, as I was working on my master's thesis, um, I decided to blog about my experience. It was a way for me to document my work and also kind of stay on schedule. Um, so I decided to do that, and um, pretty much only my mom was reading it, which is fine. And mm-hmm. um, and after that, when I was done with my thesis, I was like, oh, maybe I can start reviewing concerts and CDs on my blog, mm-hmm. um, which was something that I had started doing a couple of years uh, before uh, for a French um, outlet, for a French-speaking outlet called ClassicInfo.com. I think it's based in Belgium. So I was the, their New York City kind of new music um, correspondent, and I was writing about concerts and, and CDs for them. So I was like, well, I've been doing that. I've got a little bit of experience. Maybe I can try doing it in English, which I did. And uh, after a few weeks, somebody was like, hey, can I write on your blog? And I had never thought about that. And I said, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. And then more people came. And I felt less and less comfortable with the idea of um, having people write on my personal blog. So mm-hmm. I came up with a name. Actually, the name was already there. Um, my personal blog had a name on my personal site. But I decided to buy a .com mm-hmm. and spin a WordPress instance somewhere else. And then I care if you listen, was born. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so uh, I care if you listen. This has been going for, for how many years now? Uh, we're going towards uh, – it's going to be six years at the end of the year. Six That's years great. in December, yeah. That's great, and it's it's grown quite a bit. Uh, you have uh, you said a, a core of five people that we have a core team of five people. Uh, I'm going to name them because I'm very very thankful for their work. <laughs> uh, Sam Rising, who is our operations coordinator, has been with me for years now from the very beginning. 
Um, we also have um, Amanda Cook, who is the associate editor, doing a fantastic job. Another fantastic job is being done by Martha Cargo. And uh, we have a new member. Martha Cargo is in charge of social media. She does fantastic things on, on Facebook and Twitter. Nice. And um, we have also Caitlin Pretorius, who recently joined. And he, she's going to be a community manager, but I, more of an internal community manager. Mm-hmm. And then on the contribu- contributor side, we're about, we have about um, close to 100 contributors present and past so some of them were just guest contributors some of them mm-hmm. just you know came and went and which is totally fine mm-hmm. uh, but uh but i think i've registered the 100th contributor a couple of weeks ago oh wow that's that's great <laughs> yeah so, so so the um the the, the site is, is uh mostly reviews and and talking about CD reviews and, and, and concert reviews. I know that there's an entrepreneurship uh, section. Uh, yep. What all do you guys cover? Um, so I had to draw the line in terms of, of the music we cover. I had to draw the line, and I drew the line towards the late 60s. So people who pitch as Bartok, and I'm like, sorry, just we can't just cover that. So, mm-hmm. so we start at the late 60s, basically, and um, we do concert reviews, CD reviews, interviews, and as you mentioned, we have uh, an entrepreneurship series that is led by Astrid Baumgartner, who's a fantastic consultant. I'm, I'm so thankful mm-hmm. that you know she's she's writing with us. Um, and then uh, I also curate uh, a seasonal mixtape. So four times a year, yeah. people can come to the website and download a free mixtape. So so that's that's nice. It's it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I think people people like it. Um, the latest mixtape um, that we just um, closed was the spring one. The spring one was, was downloaded about 850 times, uh, which if you, if you were to compare this to a, a new music CD you know, album sales, would be like a really, really good uh, release. That would be a very successful release. So, so I'm glad to be getting mm-hmm. these numbers. Um, we don't charge anything, of course, and uh, we try as much as possible to uh, put the artist forward and... Um, Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we tweet. You know, if you follow us on Twitter, we just tweet constantly to you know um, to engage people with, with that and um, yes, and introduce the artists that are featured. So that's 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 what we do. Um, nice. We had a magazine that um, I had to stop a year ago. So we released twelve issues. Uh, these were bi-monthly issues, and um, that was a different kind of work. Uh, it was more in depth, uh, slightly long form, slightly longer form, and uh, exclusively on iOS devices and Android devices. Um, and that was a, a different kind of work, and, and I really enjoyed it. But it was just not, just not possible with the, the, the niche audience that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, a lot, a, a lot of work, and, and maybe the ultimately the, the return just didn't. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. And um, it's, you know, working on the magazine is a very different vibe. Like if yeah. um, if you have um, a volunteer contributor who uh, decided to review a CD and and the person cannot make the date that we had agreed upon for the publication, it's fine. We can push a week or two, you know, mm-hmm. 
we want this to be fun for everybody, so it's fine. But when you have a magazine with a street date, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of June 1st, like everything needs to be ready <laughs> at least a few days before. And yeah. I was, you know, I was coding and formatting all the articles and copy editing and proofreading, and I was not doing a great job at that, of course. Um, <laughs> so, so it's it's a very different beast, and um, and just the nature of the deadlines made it very very hard, and um, so. Yeah, what, what, I, what I really loved about it was was the variety, and um, you know, we talked about tech. We talked about I always try to feature ensembles and look at more of more of some of the history. Um, one of the articles that I commissioned that I was really proud of was uh, an article on the on Group One Eighty, mm-hmm. who is who was uh, I think a Hungarian, if I remember correctly, a new music ensemble in the eighties. And I've always been fascinated by those guys because they were like playing Zevsky and Steve Reich, you know, back mm-hmm. in the 80s uh, in Hungary. And I was like, how did you guys get into that music? <laughs> and how did you even find that music back then, you know, and, and, and perform it? So so uh, we were able to be in touch with um, former ensemble members and interview them. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. That was that was a really fun piece. And um, and also working with a photographer. Most of the covers were done by my friend Axel Dupeux, who's a French photographer in New York City. And um, and it was just a blast to be working with him, you know, preparing mm-hmm. the shoot. Or I was like his assistant on the shoot and connecting with ensembles and composers, you know, libertist also. So that was that was really fun. I really liked this, um, the physicality of the photo shoot, which is not something that we really do on I care if you listen on the blog because you get press um, press shots from publicists or ensembles. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no there's, this kind of logistics just don't exist on the blog. Yeah, so. yeah. Um. It doesn't the, the the time and effort doesn't make make sense to for uh, for something that that's so such a, a a fast and easy way of getting information out there less that's uh, less intensive. Um, so the the range of your contributors is, is um, probably pretty wide for for the the blog, right? Um, what do you mean by range? Uh, in terms of um, composers, performers, just uh, new music aficionados and. and it's the the names that I've seen. It seems like it, it, it's you don't have to be one particular type of person to to contribute. No, 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 no. I mean, we are open to you know we're kind of profile or background agnostic as long as you have something interesting to say and you're mm-hmm. able to express it correctly and you know like and eloquently and we're fine. We were happy to work with people. So, but but uh, you're right. It's absolutely absolutely correct. We have um, composers. We have performers. We have. Um, um, ensemble members, we have scholars, you know, we have people who are doing their PhDs and stuff and mm-hmm. and they, they are ready to spend some time writing articles and reviews so I love the mix I, I really love the mix of, of people that, that write for us and um, but I think we're able to keep a pretty high standard and mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of, of reading experience and uh, this is also due to Amanda Cook who's doing a fantastic job um, working with the writers and editing and advising them, so I think she's really becoming like very very good at that. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a very wide spectrum of, of profiles, but in the end, I feel that there's a unified, strong voice, and, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy with that. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just to, to touch on the mixtape uh, again, I was th- I was actually just thinking about the the mixtapes. Uh, this week and 
I, I like I, I think that's a great thing. How, how do you, how do you get the um, it's wonderful the composer for the composers. It's wonderful for the the performers. Um, how how do you how do you curate those? How do you put those together? And and um, you know where do the do some of these tracks come from? Um, albums? Do they are they? Yeah, most of them come. From, most of them come from albums, but um, <clears throat> um, we just open a call for submissions. Uh, usually, I would say four to six weeks before uh, the schedule uh, launch date, and then I um, I have an, um, a nice form online, and people can fill all the information and upload the album cover or the the art that they want associated with their track, and the track itself. Um, so I get about maybe between 60 and 80 submissions uh, for every mixtape. And um, it's very broad. It's mm-hmm. very um, eclectic. Um, and sometimes I get I get hip-hop, I get, you know, punk, I get lots of stuff. So I have to filter some stuff. Not because it's not good, but just because but it's not it's not really what we're trying to showcase um, yeah. through that medium. And then um, I listen to every piece, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, and then, as I listen to all the pieces, um, like a mix start to, starts to emerge in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, a piece will echo with another one. I'll be like, "Oh, this track goes really well with this one in succession." Mm-hmm. Or you know, like I like the contrast, or I like the continuity. And um, so, so, some some contours start to form in my head just by listening to the tracks. And then I just organize them, and I and I just test my assumptions basically. And uh, and see if it works or if it doesn't. Um, I try to keep the mixtapes between twenty and twelve. Sorry, ten and maybe fourteen tracks total, cool. um, for a variety of reasons, including mm. the download size. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to offer something that's two hundred megabytes, even <laughs> though it's not too much of an issue these days. But um, still, um, but really create something coherent and, and something that's a nice balance. Um, so what I what I say consistently to when I when I you know I send an email to everybody those who have been accepted and those who haven't, mm-hmm. and, and in the email that I send to those who haven't been accepted, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, you know please resubmit because mm-hmm. there is no there's no formula there's no rule it's just that the stuff that I've picked works really well together and mm-hmm. the piece that you've sent might work really well in a later mixtape you know yeah uh, we try to accept and feature content that is maybe a year old at most you know mm-hmm. to try, try try to keep it fresh mm-hmm. but if something wasn't picked in the in the in the winter one please submit it for the spring or the summer one and that might work you know it's yeah. just it's um yeah yeah it's just it's it's like a recipe you know it's like a, an improvised recipe mm, nice but um what i like about the mixtape is that it enables us to showcase music that we wouldn't showcase necessarily through the blog mm-hmm. so i like to put some folk and maybe some pop and something that are more on on, on the jazz end of things of the spectrum mm-hmm. and um, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing that and i think people um appreciate this variety this you know um but that's not necessarily something that we would review we wouldn't go to a you know indie folk concert and review that mm-hmm. so yeah nice <laughs> nice uh so we, you do have a pretty pretty active social media presence uh with with the site yeah how, how, how do you um how do you make all of that work together what's your your philosophy on on, on that um and and does that does that bring in a lot of readers and oh, sorry the cats are playing <laughs> uh, and does does it does it seem to foster a really good sense of community around around the site and around the material 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we get a lot of traffic from Facebook and Twitter, um, and um, and there is there is a sense of community. There is a sense of tone, and 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 I have to thank Martha Cargo for this, um, and and that and that works pretty well. Um, it's not it's not the community that I would envision yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would take a lot more work. Mm-hmm. But I, what I really love about what Martha is doing and what I've encouraged Martha to do in, you know, when she started working with us is really be very inclusive and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and curious at the same time. So, and, and maybe we'll talk about this later when we talk about social media for, uh, for composers, ensembles, etc. But um Something that's really key is that you, sh- you shouldn't just talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I think that we do very well at IQ You know, mm-hmm. if there is something that is really awesome on Q2 or New Music Box, we'll be the first ones to push it and say, read that stuff. This is really good. You know, or The Guardian and stuff like that. So, so um, if, if you look at our Twitter feed, for instance, on the Facebook feed, maybe one out of four, five, or six posts is really about us, and the rest is about new music and stuff mm-hmm. that, that's really interesting to the community. So I'm very satisfied with that. You know, uh, Martha is doing a fantastic job, and, um, and I think we have really engaging feeds, really engaging uh, communities. But um, we grew up pretty fast. I think we're about 73,000 on Twitter, um, something around five or 6K on Facebook, and then 2,000 on Instagram. And then there are other networks that are kind of like forgotten by now I, you know i used to take care of the tumblr one but uh, i just mm. now consume content i don't really push anything to tumblr and or google plus but um yeah it's mostly facebook twitter and instagram yeah so um yeah that's that's a fantastic way to push our content but also connect with the community and share very interesting things give shout outs for the mixtape you know as i said the goal is to get people to download it but also uh, feature artists and mention them. So every day we'll tweet multiple times about the mixtape and and mention the, the artist. Yeah, nice. You said you have have a, a, a vision for the community uh, that you haven't quite reached. What 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 is that that vision? And and well, I mean, it's just the the, the level of interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a wonderful curated stream. Mm-hmm. on social media so it's it's very engaging and it's really not all about us so that's that was one of my goals and i think we're achieving this but then um i don't think that we have the bandwidth to really engage in conversation you know mm-hmm. and, and um and sometimes we post articles that are kind of um controversial mm-hmm. which is fine and um but we don't necessarily follow up on that or engage with the community on that because we we don't have that much time mm-hmm. you know it already takes a lot of time to curate something interesting mm-hmm. every single day mm-hmm. and um and then on top of that engaging and responding and you know so that's that that's that's tricky i'm not sure we'll ever get there because again it's a it's a bandwidth issue you know mm-hmm. it's a bandwidth issue if we were all working 24 7 on i care if you listen it would be a very very different thing <laughs> yeah. um but we're not and uh so that's you know that's one of the things that i you, you, you know, you have to pick your battles, and and I'm very very happy with the quality of our social media presence. And even if we don't engage as much as I would like, that's fine. I think we're already doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that leads us nicely into into social media in general. Uh, <laughs> so you you do a lot of uh, consulting and speaking on on this uh, and and other sort of related. Uh, issues like email marketing and, and uh, designing websites. So, 
um, I think, you know, I have so, some some friends who want to do more on social media, but they uh, they kind of don't know what to do. And I found myself in a position uh, where I've I've scaled back, and I kind of want to get back into things. And what what are you, what are your general thoughts on on how a composer can can handle that and uh, and be be more active without feeling like that's where all your time is going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I always encourage people uh, to define their goals very early on. Okay, mm-hmm. you're going to step into social media. You're going to decide to be present on social. It's great. Okay, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. What are you expecting? And how can you quantify that? How can you measure your success? How can you tell a year from now, well, that was good. You know, I decided to be on Twitter and mm-hmm. this is my growth month to month and, and that was good. And, you know, this is what I got. I got commissions, whatever. Like, how are you going to measure your success? So you have to be very pragmatic and realistic about that. Um, I think the any network, in any any channel on social is is fun and engaging and you can get really trapped into the technicalities of the network and trying to hack things and mm-hmm. it's really fun and so you end up spending a lot of time and uh, and maybe you don't get much in return so uh, and as composers you know you want to spend as much time as much time as possible writing music or yeah. you know really working on your music so so that's why that's the first thing that I tell people just define your goals and mm-hmm. make sure they are very um um, very, very f- clearly defined. Um, I often refer to uh, Astrid's article that we've published on Icarus If You Listen, um, and she talks about defining smart goals. Uh, I encourage you to go and read this article. It's it's really well done. So that's the first step. Uh, and once you've thought about your goal uh, or goals, you need to think about your audience. Mm-hmm. And um, I know it's tricky because sometimes when you start, you don't really have an audience. So you mm-hmm. don't really know who your audience is. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's say you already have a website and you all decided to step into social. Well, look at your stats on, on, on your website. Um, if you have Google Analytics um, implemented on your website, which is free, and if you have the right settings turned on, you can get some demographics data. You can know... You know what what the age of your visitor uh, is, or you know the the, the location and things like that. Mm-hmm. If uh, because of the nature of your music, most of your visitors uh, come from China, um, maybe Facebook is not a good network for you because people <laughs> cannot access the network. Maybe putting videos on YouTube is not a good idea because they cannot access YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's that's what you know. It, it's it's an extreme example, but but still. Try to think about your audience. And if you don't know, make assumptions. And um, try to maybe look at somebody else's presence Mm -hmm. and say, my music is very close to this person's music. Or I would really love to achieve the level of success of this person. And I think that we're kind of close, aesthetically speaking. Mm -hmm. So just take a moment and look at their social media presence and look at their followers. It's very easy on Twitter, for instance, to click on followers and look Mm -hmm. at who follows them. Try to get an idea of that because that will help you also define which channel you should be on, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the right audience for you will call for a presence on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will be Twitter. Maybe it will be Google+. Plus. So, so that will help you decide that. Um, and then the, the third uh, recommendation that I usually make is, uh, and, and the assumption that, that I'm trying to, to break is, 
you don't have to be on social 24-7. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like it, but it's really not the case. Mm -hmm. And um, so you basically have to mix. Um, it's, it's a mixed model. It's like uh, asynchronous and, and like mm -hmm. real-time model, basically. Mm -hmm. You need to rely on tools that will enable you to schedule content. Uh, a lot of what we do on social, a lot of what a social presence is, is curating. Mm -hmm. um, that brings us back to what I said earlier about I care if you listen to presence. It's not about talking about yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person at a cocktail party who just talks about themselves because mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk to that person. <laughs> <clears throat> and a way to do this is to um, follow a ratio. And a ratio that I often uh, mention is the 411 ratio, where you're going to share four things. Uh, four pieces of content that are, have been created by somebody else. Mm -hmm. You're going to reshare something once. That's the number one. And then you're going to have a one self-serving tweet. So 411. And you have to see this uh, ratio as a cycle. Mm -hmm. So once every six tweets, you can share something about an upcoming concert, mm -hmm. about your album on Basecamp, on Bandcamp, uh, something like that. So, um, But by following this ratio you make sure that you have something to say that is interesting and not about yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you, think, if you think about it, you can schedule a lot of that. So a lot of that can be asynchronous. Um, I personally recommend a tool like Buffer, mm -hmm. uh, which is really, I think, a standard in the industry right now. And um, so what I usually recommend is you wake up in the morning or maybe late at night, you start buffering, you start scheduling um, your tweets for the day after. So mm -hmm. let's say you tweet six times a day, which fits nicely with our 411 ratio. Mm -hmm. um, you are going to schedule those four pieces of content that were created by somebody else, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, you can source that through RSS feeds. Um, a big aspect of social media presence is also recognizing influencers, mm -hmm. uh, people that you, you know, whose content you love and whose mm -hmm. content you want to reshare or whose content your audience might connect with. Mm -hmm. So as, as a composer of new music, for instance, um, new music box might be one of these. Q2 mm -hmm. might be one of these. Mm -hmm. I care if you listen, might be one of these. Mm -hmm. So buffer and, and I'm not making any money by saying that, but buffer, uh, lets you, um, integrate RSS feeds. So it's very easy when you have your buffer set up to just go through your list of uh, articles that are pulled dynamically from those RSS feeds. Mm -hmm. And in a few clicks, you can read the article and publish it in your queue, push it in your queue. Nice. Um, so anyway, I won't go more into details, but you, you get the point. Yeah. Um, social media is about mixing the schedule and the life. So you can be in front of your, you know, tweet deck uh, dashboard mm -hmm. maybe three four times a, a day for like 10 minutes maybe less than that maybe two times a day for 10 minutes or mm -hmm. once for 10 minutes and one for 10 minutes on your cell phone while you're commuting on you know on the train or the bus whatever mm -hmm. uh, to kind of re 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 reply to the mentions or thank people for the retweets or follow mm -hmm. more people etc etc but you know that throughout your day buffer will post stuff for you on your behalf mm -hmm. and stuff that you've curated and that provides value for your audience Nice. Sorry, and, uh, that was very long, but that's that, that's kind of yeah. like the three big steps when I when people want to start a social media presence. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I find myself uh, when I when I do when I start to think about uh, scheduling content, um, I tend to use Hootsuite 
that mm-hmm. uh, that works quite well. Um, is is Buffer a paid thing or is are they a free service? I think there's a free plan, but I I've been using the the what they call the awesome plan, which is like nine dollars a month, and it's the best the best nine dollars a month I've ever spent. It's nice. it's incredible, it's incredible, and the tool is always being um, tweaked and. Um, Perfected. Uh, they have a fantastic iOS app, so it works really well for me. Um, nice. They also <clears throat> they also uh, integrate very nicely with Bitly. Okay. Yeah. And I happen to have two uh, shortened vanity URLs set up. Mm-hmm. So if you look at my personal Twitter feed, you'll notice that all the links that I share start with tdnvl.me. Mm-hmm. And we also have a short uh, URL, vanity URL like that, also for IK if you listen. So, so th- that was a perfect match for for us. Like it's just it's a bonus for free, so nice. buffer makes sense. But Hootsuite works well. Uh, I was using Hootsuite um, maybe two three years ago for IK if you listen, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I just felt that the the user interface was not evo- evolving as fast as yeah. um, other competitors were. Uh, so. I felt that I had to move to move on, but um, it's it's a very strong product too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, a especially for you know for people who aren't really ready to spend money. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a great option. Um, I want to go back a little bit to your your first point of of setting goals for for social media. What what's sort of a typical goal that people can think about um, with that? Is there um, so you, you can you can look at um, both ends of the pipe if you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, you can define a goal in terms of of uh, following. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can say, I want to triple my following within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a nice goal to achieve, and then we can talk about methods and techniques to do that. But then you can also look at the other end of the pipe and say, I want to see an increase in traffic from Twitter. Mm-hmm. Maybe a twenty percent increase year over year on my website coming from Twitter, and mm-hmm. that's very easy to do on Google Analytics. So I like to see both ends because it can be very easy to get trapped in the number game on Twitter and be like, mm-hmm. "Yay, I broke five hundred, whatever." Yeah. But um, if it doesn't translate in traffic coming from that channel, and you can assume that if it's coming from that channel through what you're pushing, you know that you're doing a great job. So if you don't connect to the to really the the, the goal in terms of traffic on your website, then it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean it's gonna be like just a vanity number uh, that doesn't really uh, translate into like your business goal. So mm-hmm. so I think that's 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 a way I would present that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's very, very easy to get get say, oh I I have a thousand followers now or I have Fifteen hundred followers. That's great. I want more followers, and 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 yeah, it become that becomes an end in and of itself, rather mm-hmm. than the, the means to an end of engaging with more people and um, and getting more traffic to the places where you really want it and need mm-hmm. it in order to. Yeah. I think the idea of reach is more interesting than the idea of number of followers, mm-hmm. and, and by reach is basically the, the the amount of eyeballs that see your content. So you know. If you have a hundred followers and and you tweet and maybe ten percent of your following will actually see that, mm-hmm. okay, you have you know like a ten followers reach. But um, if you start publishing content, pushing content that is interesting and engaging, mm-hmm. people might start retweeting it, and mm-hmm. and the idea of resharing mm-hmm. just just multiplies your reach. And uh, Facebook and Twitter make tools available for free for you to kind of track that reach. 
And I think that's probably a better metric. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yes, number of followers is great, but um, it's not that hard to get more followers. There are some techniques for that, and it doesn't yeah. really mean anything. Mm-hmm. But really, the, the amount of engagement on your content and, and your updates will show in the, will show in the reach. So that's, that's probably a better metric to track. Um, yeah, there, there are others, but, uh, but the idea of reach is important. Um, it's also important in the context of Facebook, where we see a decreasing organic reach. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I also mention a lot. Um, you know, maybe four or five years ago, the organic reach of your post was maybe about 15%. Or that's what we used to see on a carry listen. And now it's probably going down to like 2 or 3%. And, um, and by that, I mean that organic reach means the number of eyeballs you get on a given um, update, a given post, without paying anything. Mm-hmm. And um, what we're seeing is that Facebook is slowly but surely tweaking the algorithm to display less and less posts into people's feeds, which makes total sense. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you can physically not see everything that everybody posts mm-hmm. the, way, the way it works on Twitter. So you cannot on Facebook. And um, so they're basically doing it to, to, to push people to pay for uh, their posts. And uh, that should also be taken taken into consideration when people look into creating uh, Facebook pages, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the thing that I say, and if you have money and if you're ready to see Facebook as a pay-per-click channel, mm-hmm. then it's fine. Then it's totally fine. If you're ready to make some adv- advertising and target your post and pay for that, Facebook is a fantastic platform. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the advertising capabilities and the granularity. Like, if you think about it, ever since, ever since Facebook has started, we've happily told them everything about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So now they know. And uh, you can segment your audience by zip code, by number of kids, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a fantastic advertising um, platform. Mm-hmm. So if you're ready to pay for it, it's great. If you're not ready to pay for it, consider, you know, think twice about mm-hmm. having a Facebook page. That might be a bit um, disappointing. Yeah. You, you, and, and you're talking about having a page as opposed to just your regular profile. Profile, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <clears throat> Some people, I mean, I don't think that's a mistake that people are making right now, but it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a mistake that people were making a few years ago where they were like, eh, I'm not going to start a page. I'm just going to use my personal profile. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're, if you're getting really successful, Facebook was, will limit your number of friends to 5,000. And mm-hmm. there are some things that you cannot technically do with a personal profile that you can do with a page, mm-hmm. um, namely uh, promoting posts, you know, pushing posts. And you don't get a lot of data. And also, if they realize that you're doing, quote unquote, business with your personal profile, they can also to shut you down mm. so so it's not it's not a good idea you know if you're really doing this for business you should have a page yeah, yeah. interesting i uh, i recently um attempted to do um a facebook ad for my album mm-hmm. it was the i tried the the week uh the week of pride in new york and uh had a had a hell of a time with it. <laughs> Setting it up was was pretty easy, um, but I just ran into various snags. And um, because the the cover of the album happens to be two men holding hands, and you know they're they're mm-hmm. they're in a bed, and um, you know it's 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 a it's a classy picture. It, it's it's not as racy as it might sound, um, but it the it got flagged, and my my account, my ad account got suspended. Wow. Somebody, and I don't know why. And it took a week so that in the middle of all this, the the ad went down 
And all I got was this frankly bitchy email that uh, said, you've been flagged and so you're shut down. Uh, if you think that this is on an error, you can report here, but otherwise you're done. And I couldn't get an answer as to what, okay, what was it? What did I violate? What, you know, is it, because I tweaked the hell out of this this picture mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it, I, I had to bring it down. So all you see is like basically the, 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 hand, the fingers intertwined and, um, you know, try to, I, I, <laughs> I went to their page and reported a couple of times like, hey, can I get a response here? You know, tell tell me what's wrong and I'll fix it. I'm happy to fix it. Or if this was done in error, can it can can it be um, addressed? It took over a week, and they finally said, "Okay, you're back up." That was it. I'm like, thanks, Facebook. You're so helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you put this in, in into perspective with uh, the amount of gun sales that happen on Facebook every day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, the argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they, originally, I had had a back and forth before uh, the the thing got shut down, um, saying, "Oh, you can't have any sort of sexual, you know, thing. Even if you're, even if you're giving away free condoms for, uh, you know, HIV prevention, uh, you can't actually show the condom wrapper." I was like, great. That's so helpful. Thanks for that. Facebook. You're going to have to use a metaphor. You know, you're going to have to show a lot of umbrellas. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of balloons lying around. Balloons, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, another thing with that, that I think some people get a little hung up on or they get a little scared of is, um, or overwhelmed by, uh, I know a friend of mine, he would say, okay, now, now I have to join Twitter. Tumblr, what's that? Why do I ha- now I have to join that? Like, I I think some people do think that they have to join everything to try and go out after the the most people possible, but uh, that has never seemed right to me. That it seems like you should be much more much more targeted and, and think about who's on those platforms. Absolutely, and and is your audience on this platform? Mm-hmm. You know that yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, that's also why. I'm not sure that Tumblr is a good um, social network for us. I was just going to say Tumblr doesn't. You know, I personally love it. I love Tumblr. You know, I spent some yeah. time on it, and I just, you know, it, it's cool. You know, I like Snapchat. It's fun, but um, we're not going to be on those that much. You yeah. Know? So, so you don't have to be on everything, uh, mm-hmm. which is a mistake that that I've made when I launched mm-hmm. iCurious. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a presence on everything. No, no, because you're going to end up having a lame presence on everything. Mm-hmm. And you should focus your efforts on maybe one to two networks, and that's fine. Um, maybe try, try to find networks that are um, complementary or, you know, for instance, Twitter and Instagram. T- you can technically share photos on Twitter, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe you want to keep your photos on Instagram, and maybe it's easier to share photos on Instagram and mm-hmm. and have filters and stuff like that. And and because you're in a community, you know, you're in a in a network where that that's the expectation, that's the medium. You know, you're going to share photos and videos, and so people come here to consume that. So um, so that's a nice way to do it. So yeah, I would I would just limit my efforts to one to maybe three networks that mm-hmm. work well in tandem and kind of represent what you're offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sh- 
show a different perspective on what you're offering, basically. Um, another mistake that I see a lot is people are like, oh, you know what? I'm going to create my Twitter account, Facebook and Instagram and connect all of them together. So when I Facebook something, it's posted on everything automatically. Oh. And that's the most terrible thing you could do uh, because, you know, because if people follow you on those three channels, they're going to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, some platforms don't share stuff nicely natively. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying by this is if you post a photo on Instagram and you say, hey, I'm going to connect my Twitter account, so I'm going to share it directly on Twitter. Well, Twitter and Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, are not really good friends. So they are not going to help each other, meaning that if you post a photo natively from Instagram to Twitter, it's not going to show as an image in your Twitter feed. You're going to have mm -hmm. to click on the Instagram link and go and open Instagram and look at the photo. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they do this, do this on purpose. So you're, you're, not really, you're not making it very easy for people to kind of engage with your content by doing so. And then it sounds, it feels very robotic and not very mm -hmm. tailored. You know, um, every platform, every channel has kind of an etiquette and a way to communicate on that mm -hmm. platform. And, um, and that, that's, that's a terrible idea. It means that it represents more work. You know, mm -hmm. you have to think more about how you present yourself on those different channels. But uh, I think that's the right way to do it. And, and it brings us back to the beginning of that conversation, meaning that since every network requires a different way to address audiences, mm -hmm. make sure that you pick the right ones and mm -hmm. make sure that you don't pick too many of those networks because there's a learning curve for each of them and you're going to be overwhelmed very fast and you're going to be disappointed and just give up really fast if you don't, if you don't build you know, this, this knowledge of the networks. Yeah, yeah and... Um, I one thing that that has that always bothers me about connecting accounts is, is the idea of is that cross posting. Okay, like I saw this on Facebook, now I see it on Twitter, and it's on Instagram. It, it's it's all of these places, and I I'm being bombarded. Like I, hey dude, I like you, but I've now seen the same thing three times, and it 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 can be an, it, It's the same thing that I see. Uh, some people they have their their personal Facebook profile and they have their professional facebook page and the yep. same exact thing gets posted <laughs> to both and fortunately now that kind of gets condensed into one thing um that it's it's not quite so obnoxious as it used to be but it still is annoying and i i know that i'm doing it right now with uh to to some degree with with my personal profile and and the podcast page just to get a, a, a broader reach kind of reposting to to my personal thing but and, and i can see how you know tempting that is i have friends also who have personal pages you know profiles and also pages and when you're an artist there's really no there's no line you know what i mean it's just if you have 1200 friends on facebook and you have you know 200 followers on your page mm-hmm you don't want to miss on that audience. You know, yeah. you're like, oh my God, it's like I've got six times more followers on my personal profile. Let mm -hmm. me just share that too. But, um, but you have, I think there's, there's, there's a way to do it and everyone has to find their own way. But, um, mm -hmm. but mirroring posts is certainly not the way to do it. Yeah. It's, uh, or it's at least not the way that I like to, I like to see it. You know, I feel, yeah, yeah it's just, it doesn't feel very, very special. And there's, you know, it's all about angles and how you present stuff to your external audience and your internal audience, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have to do a little bit more work to, to find an engaging way to present that to both. So, yeah, but I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I, I hate seeing it and I feel weird doing it. It just, it feels kind of <laughs> icky. <laughs> um, what, uh, is there anything more you want to talk about with, with social media stuff before we, we move on a little bit to, um, to email? No, things? I've got, um, I've got an ebook in the works about, um, Twitter. Nice. Uh, where I'll be sharing a lot of tips and a lot of uh, tools and um, I'll be talking about ratio and stuff like that and influencers and um, I think yeah yeah it's gonna be like 12 chapters it's not gonna be a big thing but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to put it out there so um, yeah. it's coming it's coming soon cool do you have a, a date for that <laughs> that we can look for it or okay. nope cool nope. well then, uh, <laughs> then keep me posted and I'll make sure to, to get that sure. out to, to everybody here sounds uh, good so one thing that I've been I, I think about a lot. One thing that I've actually been talking about with uh, a couple of other podcasters that I've connected with is uh, your email list and making use of that. And we, we talked a little bit. I, I right now only have two two subscribers to the music publishing podcast. Oh, email everybody list. should subscribe! Come on, yeah, people, subscribe! Yeah, I'm. Um, I'll, I'll I'll tell. I'll tell my plans here. So if you if, if you do join the, the the podcast mailing list, I'm going to start putting out some uh, some things that uh, you'll only get through uh, through the list. Extra, um, I think, extra little interviews with some of the guests, and uh, you know, short things. And and um, there's another another project in the works that is going to dovetail nicely. You'll get some some stuff way early with that. So uh, so sign up on the website. Um, <laughs> So, what are what are your thoughts on on mailing lists and and how how important they are for? That's a, that's a very leading question. How important <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, so let me <clears throat> let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're old enough, you remember MySpace, mm-hmm. and if you're old enough, remember how people were gung ho about like building their presence on MySpace. And I was jealous of my friends who had like 4,000 followers on MySpace and that was mm-hmm. great, et cetera. So, so remember that. Remember the amount of time and effort that you spent building that, mm-hmm. okay? And where is MySpace now? Mm-hmm. What has happened to MySpace? What has happened to this audience? What has happened to the amount of time that you spent building that, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, what has happened to MySpace is probably less likely to happen to Facebook, Twitter, and other networks. But still, stuff can happen. What I'm trying to say here is that on social, you do not own your audience, and don't you know? Don't take on the wrong way. But but you have people who decided to follow you and look at what you're doing through a medium that you absolutely don't control. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow Twitter says it's going to be twenty bucks a month to be on Twitter now, you have zero control over this. Yeah. Okay. So. This is why you should build your email list as soon as possible because it's it's the only asset that you own. Mm-hmm. It's the place where people have to opt in and sometimes opt in twice. We have a double opt in. So people people have to opt in to be on it. So there is there is a very very strong intent uh on behalf of those followers. Like yes, I want you to send stuff to my inbox, which is already cluttered with spam and stuff that I don't want but still mm-hmm. I want you to have a place in my inbox mm-hmm. so that, that's a very strong intent and um, <clears throat> and whatever happens to social medias social channels you will keep that this is yours you know mm-hmm. if you don't abuse it if you follow the the, the laws in your in your country uh, this is yours you know 
<clears throat> so it's it, it's very important for this reason. Also, if you look at it, email is is really a one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a mistake that, that people make sometimes is that, oh, I'm going to send an email blast. And just the word mm-hmm. blast is mm-hmm. like take that you know it's just <laughs> it's not it's not a great way to to look at it so i wouldn't use the word blast anymore um but it's a true one-on-one conversation because you're going to send an email to somebody who gave you access to the to their very personal inbox and inbox mm-hmm. is very personal okay mm-hmm. what i love about email is that there is not this bs social pressure mm-hmm. you know this kind of patterns that you see on facebook where you know the girlfriend will post on the boyfriend's wall publicly Oh, we've been five years together. You're the best. I love you. I don't need to see that. Yeah. Like it's yeah. you know, it's beautiful. I'm happy for you guys, but I don't need to see that. That's kind of <laughs> that's a byproduct. That's 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 a weird pattern that comes from the nature itself of of the network. And we don't see that on Facebook on on, on email marketing. Meaning that the conversation you're having with the person you're emailing is very personal, and 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 there is no external pressure. It's just mm-hmm. it's just you and the person. Um, um, data and research also shows that email has a stronger conversion rate than uh, social. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that if you're pushing for something, if you're selling something, an album, concert tickets, you might have some success on social media. You'll have a stronger, a better success on mm-hmm. email marketing. Okay, because by now people are used to receiving uh, commercial emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a design language in place for that, and um, and again, there's a level of trust. If I let you come into my inbox, I trust what you're saying. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if I engage constantly with your content through email, like I, there's there's a relationship that's being built that is probably stronger than than it would be on social. So, so, so that's my point. And then, if you build your list uh, well, and if mm-hmm. you maintain it well, you also have uh, segmenting capabilities that you won't necessarily have on uh, on social. Unless you pay for it. We talked mm-hmm. about Facebook earlier and how you can really segment uh, in a very granular way uh, what you're pushing uh, mm-hmm. at a cost. Um, in email, you can do this for free, basically, mm-hmm. or for the amount of, that, you, that you spend a month you know, on, on your email marketing system. So um, even if I see web, social, and email as an ecosystem and everybody, you know, each element relies on the other, Mm-hmm. For me, email is extremely important. Extremely, mm-hmm. extremely important. Um, so, yes, build your list, uh, mm-hmm. maintain it, um, respect your readers. Um, don't send everything to everybody mm-hmm. uh, because it might not be relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I could spend for a, an hour and a half on, on, on email marketing, but yes, I'm very adamant about that. Uh, there are some great tools out there. I always recommend MailChimp because I think it's a wonderful mm-hmm. value for the price that you pay or you don't pay if you're on mm-hmm. the free plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yes, I've got a lot more to say. And I'm also <laughs> writing an ebook on, awesome. on MailChimp. On MailChimp, yeah. Just awesome. beyond the basics because I think everybody gets the basics very quickly on MailChimp. Mm-hmm. It's a very intuitive platform and user interface. But I think there are some subtleties that, that kind of escape people and so i'm i'm working on that too yeah nice um i like the the, the point you brought up toward the, the beginning there uh and about um not owning your list on the other platforms it's it and i think it's it it's very similar to hosting your website through tumblr or through wix or 
uh, what, Squarespace, I think, is one of them. Um, the these free platforms where you can create a, a website, for, you know, that's pretty easy and, and probably free. Uh, th- that's referred to as digital sharecropping. You don't own the land; you're just farming it, and they can take it away at any time, either because they shut down or their terms of service change, or they, the, you know, these, these groups can make these companies can make any changes to their service that they want. And you can be left completely in the cold, either without a website or without access to, to your people. I think it's really important, yeah, to to have to have your own list and to pay for your own domain domain and pay for your web hosting. It's a couple of dollars a month, and you're, it's, it, can be, it can be more. <laughs> it can be more. It can be more. Like I, I think it doesn't uh, have to, but it can be more. Yeah. 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 Um, I forget what I. I think I'm like $8 a month for hosting, um, maybe 11 or 12. Um, but it's worth it. it. You know, it's worth for that, that small amount and I can do a lot with it and I don't have to worry about, you know, a, a, if, if my web host shuts down, I, they're going to let me know and I can move to another one and I don't, I don't have any problems. Um, Whereas if I'm relying entirely on Twitter and then suddenly Twitter decides to charge for access or Facebook, you know, I'm screwed. I've, yep. I've lost access. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, I, I realize also that people are not comfortable just with the, with the idea of setting a domain and, you know, managing their their, uh, their server and everything. And, and yeah, there's a learning curve. And, and depending on what you run, it can be, it can be complex. But, um, but you're more in control of what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's the difference between having a, a self-hosted WordPress versus the WordPress that, you know, you mm-hmm. just have on their server. There are things that you cannot do un- unless you are self-hosted. Yeah. So that's a, that's a broader conversation, but I, I agree with your point also. It's, it's, it's similar. You know, if, if you really want to have control over your presence, try to own as much as possible. So mm-hmm. an email list is an example, but your site and your domain and your server is also another one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's... For if you're not, I think if you're not comfortable, you know, getting, doing the the, the domain and the hosting, um, you can you can have someone help you with that. There are a lot of people who, like I, I've walked a lot of people through that process. Um, I, it's part of what I do as a, a web designer on the side, and you know they they can people can get things up and running for you for for not a lot of money they're probably going to want to be paid for for that and you should want to pay them for that um but yeah i think the 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 security of that is is really important Um, Mm -hmm. and and yeah there's a real real intimacy with the inbox (laughs) yes there is (laughs) there is and we have ways to you know rely on personalization and Mm-hmm. And it might sound kind of you know quirky and weird, but um, but it's true that dropping a first name when you have it, when you know it, mm-hmm. makes a difference. Yeah, it really does make a difference. And um, I know that you know some of some people on my list, I don't have a first name information, and mm-hmm. I have ways to collect that um, through um, what we call progressive profiling. It's a it's a terrible word, but it's true. Um, but uh, but it all, I know that it always makes me feel better when I when I'm able to drop a first name in an email. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's really part of the idea. Yeah. Um. What were the challenges that people were facing? You said that you were talking uh, to previous hosts about email marketing. I'm just curious about the challenges that they were facing. Um. Well, I think uh, I know I know that of the the, the three 
podcasters uh, of the three of us, um, one is very comfortable with uh, with emailing people, and he has a, a format, and it works very well. Uh, I'm sort of in the intermediate of the three of us on the the intermediate one. I I enjoy it. I, I think I'm pretty good at it. I but except I don't do it enough. I think keep keeping keeping a regular schedule is a difficult thing with email, depending on um, what you're emailing about mm. and uh, you know like what what who your list is is aimed at. And the, the the third one, he he didn't know what an autoresponder series was, and I'm sure a lot of people here won't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, for people who 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 don't know, an autoresponder series is a series of e- automated emails that go out to your list, uh, typically when they sign up. So. Um, for for the music publishing podcast, I still have to write my my series of of three emails to introduce who am, one who am I is the first email. The second email is what is the podcast, and three is how can you get in, involved and engaged. Um, and yeah, I I I, don't, I think that that might be a thing that do you, do you uh, push people that you consult with or not push would you recommend that they they set up a series like that um yes um i think i mean it depends on what you have to offer Mm -hmm. but if you have a broad set of offerings then yeah i would definitely do that and um i like the way also you 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 cut it you know it's just like who am i what am i doing and how can we connect how can we Mm -hmm. you know engage so that's 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 a great way to do it but um for an artist, it might be, you know, the first one could be a thank you and mm-hmm. offering something right off the bat. You know, thank you so much for signing up. This yes. is, you know, this is an MP3. You know, that's that's some free music from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one could be concerts. You know, like I'm a composer, but I'm also a performer and I perform my music. And here is the schedule of concerts. I'd love to see you there, blah, blah, blah. You know, so there are, there are depending on what you're offering, there are ways to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, we have a five email um, automation list. Um automation series on I care if you listen and I see some incredible engagement on that nice. you know the the first one is sent almost instantly mm-hmm. I mean tech, you know it's sent instantly you mm-hmm. sign up like within the next two seconds you have an email in your inbox to thank nice. you and also share the link to the mixtape mm-hmm. which was one of our offers so so anyway yes and that that works really well that works really well and of course you know you can schedule that at different time intervals you don't have mm-hmm. to send them like every day you can say one day three days five days seven days you know mm-hmm. 15 and you know maybe 31 days or something like that so you can really spread them out and see how they work but um, it's a great way to introduce people you know uh, to, to what you're doing who you are mm-hmm. um, yeah no that, that works really well the, 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 the problem is if you don't have something like that and say you have a monthly newsletter mm-hmm. if people sign up the day after you sent it which is the worst case scenario for you, they won't hear from you for like 30 days. Mm-hmm. You know, And the problem that we see is that if you send emails less than three, less than three weeks apart, so you know, more than three weeks apart, people might forget that, have, that it's signed up mm-hmm. and they're going to unsubscribe and they may mark you as spam, which is really unfair because they signed yeah. up in the first place. You know? yeah. But this is something that I've seen. I would have seen a lot from people f- with AOL.com addresses, but I won't say that publicly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but um, but that, that's something that you see, you know, as people sign up, like they forgot about that and they just, they just mark you as spam, which in return hurts your sender um, mm-hmm. 
the, your sender reputation, which is yeah. very important to cut through uh, spam folders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so series can help you do that. You know, you might have a newsletter every three weeks, every two weeks, but the moment people sign up, you start a conversation, and you don't start with. Uh, buy these do that do that yeah. you know it's oh. just like no no thank you so much you know we're starting this relationship we're gonna take it slow and this is what it's about so yeah it's it's a great way to start something yeah um one thing that uh i i find a lot in the uh in the book world is to entice people to join your list you offer the first book in a series or, or one one of your books for you know if you sign up this is what you get i i think that's a really strong way to to get people to to engage with what it is that you do you know if you have some recordings uh then uh you know say oh you'll get this a recording of this piece or or, or something to or or i think it's not a great idea to send a score because you don't know who's who's signing up and you know, if you're going to send out a solo piano piece to a flute player, that doesn't really work. <laughs> they can't really engage with that. You can send to a, to a page where they can pick and choose. This is true. Yeah, you there, know, yeah, there, but, there are um, lots of options uh, if, if you want to entice people into your list. Or um, you can also send an email with multiple links to different pieces mm-hmm. and then segment by what piece people clicked on. Mm-hmm. So that's also self-identification, you know, like, oh, you clicked on flute. Okay, you're interested in flute stuff. You're going to get my flute, my flute stuff next, you know. So that's something you can do with email marketing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, what are some of the, the – the, I mean, you've already said a, a little bit of it, but what are some of the other best practices for sending out emails? Like should, you, um, should, like should your first line in the email be um, – Hi everybody! Sorry for the email blast, or the sorry for the mass e- mass email, but blah blah blah. Is that how you should start your your emails to everybody? No, I wouldn't say so. Like <laughs> I see that so much, and I'm it's like, just like people stop. who say, "Well, I'm not racist, but well, stop." You know, like yeah. that's that's it. <laughs> that's it. There is no sentence following this. It's over. You know. So same yeah. same stuff. Same stuff. If you're apologizing for the email blast, you shouldn't send an email blast in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one of the, the, I think one of the best practices is, well, there are there are many, but uh, you know, scheduling. We talked about scheduling, making sure that. So look at your offers. What do I have to offer to a potential audience? What's in it for them? Really, why should they? Why should they follow me? Why should they subscribe to my newsletter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have this set of offering and you know exactly where to send that, where, where to push that. This is more a social thing. This is more mm-hmm. of an email marketing thing. Anyway, so when you have your list of offers, then you, you can know if this is sustainable or not. You know, if you're going to say, I'm going to send an acoustic version, you know, an acoustic cover to my followers every week. Can you sustain that? Can mm. you really do that? You know, <laughs> so that that's that's a good question, and then and then you'll find the answer. It'll be like, okay, I can offer this on a consistent basis every two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good model. Let's start with that, and maybe it's going to be uh, more often, less often. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, also, thinking about segments very early on is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have different offers and they don't necessarily overlap. It might be a good idea to to create segments and create a way for people to either self-identify or for you to segment the list in those different things. Mm-hmm. Let's say 
um, like a geo uh, location is a good way to segment stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm working with uh, with a songwriter who tours Europe extensively. He spends about six months a year touring Europe, lives in the US. And um, so what I'm putting in place with him is basically a segmentation system by country. You know, mm-hmm. why would you tell your um, German audience that you're touring in Portugal? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, chances are maybe, you know, one or two German people will be on vacation and will be happy to see that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but maybe that's something you can say on social, you know, where mm-hmm. it's really broader and people might pick that on social and be there. But, um, mm-hmm. but that's something that I'm trying to push, you know, like you're going to send more relevant stuff to less people and it's totally mm-hmm. fine. That's the goal of segmenting your list. Um, another piece of advice is whenever you know that you're going to send an email, the first thing you should do is really think about what's going to be in it and how you can express that in your email, in your mm-hmm. subject line. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, you can have the most beautiful email, engaging photos, you know, calls to action everywhere. Like, you know, okay, it's cool. But if your subject line is Jane Doe July newsletter, mm-hmm. People might not click on that, you know, it's just, and, and it's a shame because, because all the work that you're going to be doing or you have done, if you write your subject line in after, after your work, this just goes, you know, just goes away for nothing. You know, you, ha- yeah. you have lost everything. So really think about your subject lines, keep them short, keep them snappy. A subject line is a promise. Okay. Mm-hmm. I promise you that if you click, you're going to get this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So really fulfill that promise. You know, don't, don't mess with that because you're really going to hurt your confidence and email marketing is really about confidence. Mm-hmm. So, so think about your subject lines first and, and write them and write five, six, 10 and pick the best, you know, mm-hmm. uh, insert some personalization if you can. Hey, comma, Jane, exclamation mark, you know, this is what, what's inside, you know, that's mm-hmm. just a, that's just a lame example, but stuff like that. Um, there is also in email marketing, something we call the pre-header, meaning that if you don't set this up, um, so for instance, if you look at on Gmail or on, on your mobile device, mm-hmm. when you receive an email, you have the subject line, mm-hmm. the sender, the subject line, and then you have kind of a preview of what's inside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Years ago, when people were not setting pre-headers, we used to see like code. Sometimes it was just like straight up code and CSS mm-hmm. or HTML, or the first few words of the email, mm-hmm. which might not work really well. It can end up being like, hey, sorry for the email blast, you know, yeah. right before you open it. That's mm-hmm. the first thing you see. So that's what we call the pre-header. And most email marketing systems will support that and will let you write a piece of text to kind of accompany, like the companion piece to the subject line. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about that is that you don't have the same character limitations as the subject line. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be around maybe 50 to 70 character stops. And uh, so you can write a lot more and you can also play off that subject line. You mm-hmm. know? So if you introduce an element of like surprise or curiosity in the subject line, you can give another element of answer in the pre-header. You can have some personalization in the pre-header. Mm-hmm. And these are really strong elements that will, that will turn into a, a, an open, okay? which, we, mm-hmm. which is one of the two key metrics in email marketing. You have open and click-through rate. So, so that's the first thing, you know, people get, get, get into like the, the design. I want to make sure that my, that my email is responsive and the buttons look like that. It's great. But think about your um, subject line very early on, very, very early on in the process. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. I, uh, <laughs> um, for the longest time, I, I did the Dennis Tabensky November newsletter and I had pretty decent open rates. Um, and, and then just in the past year, I've changed things up um, and, and started 
being more descriptive of, of what's inside and and being more personal in in the subject line and oh wow it it exploded like people are are opening it and they're you know click through rates are, are still not great um, but I think they're they're kind of low for composers in general but I get responses I get people write back and you know then, then there's that engagement there's the there's the back and forth there's the conversation it's you know oh this is wonderful blah 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 and then you can write back and and it's you know so great to hear from you what have you been up to I haven't heard from you in so long and it becomes now a, a a conversation with the person yeah. rather than an email blast. Yeah, um, and, and and you know that it's working when you see this happening. You know that it's working, and yeah. that's something that I mean, you can design your email that way too. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people see that as email blast. You know, it's mm-hmm. a one way street. You know, mm-hmm. you get your your um, your bullhorn and you just like yell stuff at people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to answer to that, uh, or maybe they're going to answer by unsubscribing and mm-hmm. mocking you as spam, which would yeah. be bad. But uh, but definitely, you know, you can start a conversation on email. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely possible. Yeah. So so you you can build your emails that way. Um, yeah, and and you know, you you said something about click through rates are low for composers. Something that I'd like to say also is don't don't look too much at industry industry rates. You know what I mean? Like. Um, yeah. Don't let people tell you your click-through rate should be seven percent if it's yeah. less than that, or you know yeah. whatever. So, what you should do though is is create your own baseline, mm-hmm. and you do something for six months or how many months, and then you're like, all right, now I've established the baseline. How can I increase that? Mm-hmm. And, and just the way you did it, you're like, okay, I'm going to invest more time and energy into better subject lines, and mm-hmm. then you see if it works or if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And in your case, it did. Yeah, you realize that the click-through rate didn't follow, but the open rate, which is the first win, first battle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was better. So now you can focus on your content and try to figure out why why doesn't my content work better? You know, mm-hmm. the click-through rate will show the, the engagement on your content. The subject line shows your, is reflected, you know, the success, success of the subject line is reflected in the open rate. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, another yeah. thing that I, I, I changed around the same time um, was to, to start adding a little featurette at the end of my, my, my you know, emails go out in it's three parts the top is very brief this is what's coming up or this is what happened recently just kind of bullet points of uh of events then one or two maybe three very brief descriptions very personal uh you know written very informally of you know these are major things that have happened or, or that are happening. Like I'll be writing an opera soon and that's exciting. Or I just got married and that's exciting. And at the very end, I, I have a little featurette called, uh, what am I listening to? Where I feature another composer. I feature someone else's music and w- I pick one piece and I say, I really like this and I think you'll like it too. And click-throughs on that are great and correspondingly everything else in the email people are, are clicking there because mm-hmm. i've started talking about other people mm-hmm. because i it, it, it's sort of similar to the the social ratio networking. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's uh you know if you're not always talking about yourself you can actually engage people a lot more and mm-hmm. I, people like randomly will bring up they'll say oh i love your emails and like there, it's the only. Ooh. <laughs> your your email is the Got only. That. <laughs> that'll be great for the editing. Um, yeah. 
yours is the only one of the, one of the few emails I actually read because I know you're going to talk about something really cool. And also, there is there's a risk with newsletter, you know, like. Um, I think people see that as as a kitchen sink. Like, may, let me put mm-hmm. everything in there, you mm-hmm. know, and they just send you like a website, the equivalent of a website. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure that really works. Yeah. Um, because in terms of, you know, click click to attention ratio, like stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, how many how many click opportunities are there in your in your email? Um, something that I like to to keep in mind, and um, I like to think of a click budget in an email campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, if you give yourself two clicks, mm-hmm. maybe three if you're very generous, okay? So you give your audience two clicks mm-hmm. and you look at your email and you say, all right, my email is done or my email is sketched. Let's say you haven't mm-hmm. built it yet. What are the two most important links that I want people to click on? Mm-hmm. And how many clicks do I have? You know, And if you realize that you have 12 clicks mm-hmm. and you have a budget of two, mm-hmm you're going to ask your readers to make a lot of decisions and pick wisely, okay? Mm-hmm. If you limit your options, then you get a better ratio there. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, this is really important to me. This is not that important. I don't want people to waste a click on that. So let me, you know, let me just remove that. And so I, I think by, by looking at it this way, and, and scrolling is free. So that's my two laws, you mm-hmm. know, scrolling is free, and then you have a click budget. Um, if you look at it, if you look at it this way, you're going to make some some good decisions in terms of content. You know, this is not essential. You know, this is this is the news that I'd like to share, but maybe I won't share it on on email. Maybe I'll share it on social or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind the inverted pyramid. Whatever is really important to you, what's really important, um, what you really want people to to do, should be at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so it's, it, you know. Maybe you can skip the the intro paragraph where you tell people about you know what's going on in your life or stuff like that. Or mm-hmm. the intro, like all the sorry for the email blast. You yeah. know, this is what's going on in my life. Well, yeah, it's a newsletter. I expect that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting. You know, you can skip that and and lead me straight to the best content that you have to offer. So, um, so these are considerations that I try to to make people aware of and um, and and that I that I see working. You know, personally and professionally mm-hmm. uh, with clients or or at, at work. You know, like. If you keep your emails very focused with possibly a single call to action, mm-hmm. when there is only one thing to do in an email, there, pe- there are more chances that people will do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's less, you're not dividing their attention. You know, it's like, this is the most important thing I want you to do. And it's up top. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you can do. If you want to click on it, you're going to click on it. If you don't want, you just trash the email. But um, you're not giving them 25 other links mm-hmm. that might not be as relevant or as important to you. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, it's, it's a different kind of design philosophy, you know, and, uh, and, you know, the terms like newsletter and email blast kind of pull you the other way where you want to provide a lot and put a lot, but mm-hmm. it, it, it just ends up being overwhelming yeah. for, for readers. So anyway, nice. That, that, <laughs> as, as you're talking, I'm like already reworking the way that I do things <laughs> like that. That's fantastic. Uh, well, since we're we're about the, the hour fifteen mark, um, is there any, before we we go into final bits? Is there anything else you want to add on email marketing? Uh, there is so much I would like to add on email marketing, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I'm writing an ebook about Mailchimp. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean it's just it's a very important channel, very very important channel, mm-hmm. and you have to respect your 
readers and you have to provide value to your readers. Don't mm -hmm. say the same thing to everybody. Try to segment as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Segmenting is based on value and offers. And mm -hmm. think about this very, very early on and maybe make it available in your form, you know. And, mm -hmm. and I, we could talk about, you know, for a long time about sign-up sign forms also. But um, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're mostly talking about cooking and concerts – Maybe you can offer that in the sign-up form. Maybe people say, well, I'm mostly interested in concert, not really mm -hmm. about what you're cooking. And you mm -hmm. check that box, and then you don't send the same thing to people who have checked that box. So, mm -hmm. so these, are, these are considerations. And, um, but if, if, you, if you think about this early on and really respect your audience on email, it's a very, very powerful channel, mm -hmm. very powerful. I mean, if you look at your Google Analytics on your website and you look at your different channels and the incoming traffic traffic from those channels and look at the quality and uh, we could talk about the quality of traffic and what it means but if you look at maybe the number of pages and the, the, the duration on site which could be good metrics for that engagement in my experience the traffic that comes from email is much better mm -hmm. people stay longer people look at more pages so you have an in-depth more engaged visit coming from email than say Facebook so so you know Maybe it's not true for you. Just look at your stats, you know, mm -hmm. make rules for yourself. But in my personal experience, working on multiple sites, traffic from email marketing is really good. So mm -hmm. you really want to, you know, this is this should be like, you should spend a lot of time thinking about this and really mm -hmm. crafting your emails in, in, in a great way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I, I think we may have to, like, have you back to talk about some more of, it's more of these things because let's do I, it. I, I can I can keep going for like five hours, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's maybe break it up. Um, so uh, where can oh by the way I'm gonna definitely make um, I'm gonna try to find that uh, link to Astrid's um, article on I care if you listen smart goals yeah yeah I'm gonna try to to put that in the show notes. Um, so everybody can find that on the, mm -hmm. the website. I've got a couple other things I'm going to add in, in for, for the links. Um, but where can uh, where can we where can we find you online, and what do you have coming up that we should know about and, and think about? Okay. Um, so the blog itself is at iCareFilisten.com. We also have a .tv site. You know, if people have videos they want to submit, so it's basically a YouTube for new music, only new music videos, so that, that's fun. Mm -hmm. um, on the personal side of things, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, my uh, handle is TDNVL, Tango, Tango Delta November Victor Lima, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and my website is thomasdeneville.com. Um, I haven't haven't been blogging for a while because my professional life has been busy, uh, so I might have to start blogging about my professional life, uh, my nine to five, uh, because I do fun stuff and interesting stuff. So I might start to blog about that, so I'll have something interesting to say. And most of I do during my nine to five life also applies to uh, to what I'm trying to do outside with consulting with artists and helping them with their presence and email marketing and stuff like that. So yeah, find me on Twitter. Look at my website. Um, you'll probably be prompted to subscribe to my newsletter, mm -hmm. uh, which is segmented. And I try to share good stuff with people and really start a conversation and help people. And, you know, um, I love, I love challenges. I love, um, marketing and communications challenges for artists. So please hit me up on Twitter, you know, and tell me I'm trying to do this and it's, it's not working. And, uh, if I can help you in a few tweets or, you know, switch to DM and help you out and point out a tool or show what's working or what's not working. 
I'd love to do that, you know. And if it means that we need to work more together, then mm-hmm. maybe we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's just if I can help with a couple of tweets or a quick phone call, like I would love to do that. So hit me yes. up. Nice. And you said you have uh, a residency coming up, and, and yeah, yeah. So last November I was at Juilliard for a residency on entrepreneurship, and um, we're talking about another one in the fall. Uh, so I'll be in New York City in the fall and I'm going to try to be in touch with other schools mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's that's something that is not yet part of the curriculum in a lot of schools mm-hmm. uh, you know this this entrepreneurship and social presence and stuff like that so um, um, if you're in the city and you would like me to come and talk um, at your school or organize a workshop mm-hmm. about websites and social same stuff, you know, uh, reach out to me on Twitter, uh, on my website, send me an email, and uh, we can talk about that. But um, that's something that I've really been enjoying, you know, talking and, and, and helping students. And um, I, I like it because it's it's really rewarding and, and, you know, they have some great ideas. But also, as we were saying in email marketing, like the earliest you start, the better it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So... So uh, it, it feels really good to tell, like, a student, you, you might not have much to say right now, but start building your list because the moment you'll have something to say, then people will listen. You'll have an audience, you know, uh, of people that are engaged with what you're trying to say. So uh, so anyway, I like doing that. So the Julia residency will be for Julia students and possibly alums. Uh, but um, I'll be in the city. So if you want to meet one-on-one, we can also meet in the city. Awesome. we're gonna have to get a drink (laughs) (laughs) let's do it (laughs) cool well thank you uh thank you so much uh stick around we'll go back to the green room in a second um and thank you everybody for listening uh if you uh would like to follow music publishing podcast on on twitter or or like the facebook page that's where i let people know when these live events happen you can you know ask questions we haven't had any questions today um you can ask questions you know make comments you know interact with us while, while we're doing stuff live so that's where you'll find out where, when those happen and uh on the music publishing podcast website you can sign up for the mailing list and uh start sending out some stuff that you're you're not going to get just through the through the website and through the your your itunes subscription so uh check that out and uh again thank you all for listening and i will see you next time Bye.